Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and I was introducing the importance of understanding that there were different gospels that were promoted during the time of the Apostle Paul, and that's why he said that there were people who were believing in a different gospel. And it's the same way today, it really hasn't changed since then, that there are different opinions, different beliefs concerning what the gospel is or is not, and it's always important to ask people about what they believe the gospel truly is. I mean, it's easy for somebody to say that they're a Christian, but it's a lot harder to answer the question, so how would you describe the gospel? That's a much more difficult question to answer, but it is a reasonable question. I believe it's a very reasonable question if a person identifies themselves as a Christian And they don't have an answer to that question, an answer of any kind. And yes, I have encountered a lot of people who I have asked this question of, how would you describe the gospel? And they simply have no answer, but they're quick to say that they're a Christian. I have to wonder sometimes, though, I mean, how can a person really be a Christian if they don't have an answer, if they don't know what the gospel of the Lord Jesus is? I mean, how how can you say that you are a Christian? What does that really mean to you? So I introduced this in the previous program. I explained in the previous program what I believe the gospel is. The gospel has to do with a problem and a solution. The problem is sin and spiritual death. And the solution is forgiveness for sin and the restoration of the spiritual life, the restoration of the Holy Spirit to humanity. And you know, when I give this explanation to people what I believe the gospel is, it's unusual for me to encounter someone who does not agree with me. In most cases, people will agree with me. They hear that. They believe that. They tell me that they really do believe what I explained, and they don't have a problem with it at all. But, you know, there are different ways that I can give the same explanation of the gospel. For example, if I say it is necessary to rest In the complete forgiveness of sins, it was necessary for Jesus to deal with all sin, the entire sin of humanity, past, present, and future, because if he did not deal with all sin, then the next time you sin, you would lose the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would depart from within you. And so for that reason, there is no sin that will ever be held against you ever again. When I say it that way, then people will often have a lot of trouble with that because there are people who believe that he will hold their sins against them in the future. That if you commit a terrible sin today, then he is going to hold it against you. Now, of course, there are a lot of variations concerning how he will hold it against you and to what degree. He may not take the Holy Spirit from you, you know, if it's not a really bad sin. Instead, he just might 
turn his back from you. He might not bless you. Things like that. They have to reduce the seriousness of sin in order to try to find some way to hang on to their sin for whatever reason. And I believe that there are lots of reasons. I mean, people want to hang on to their sin because they want some incentive to stop sinning or they want somebody else to have incentive to stop sinning. There are lots of reasons why people may not be willing to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins. In the series of programs that I did on the subject of forgiveness, I went through the most common ones that I personally have encountered, so I'm not going to talk about that today. Instead, I'm going to expand on this idea that there are different Gospels. And today, there are different Gospels. And you have to ask, so which one is the right one? How are you going to know? what the right gospel is. In what way are we going to know that we believe the right gospel? Because if there are different gospels, well, then that means that there are gospels that are not the right one. They're not the true one. In fact, when you consider how many different gospels there are, it doesn't leave us with a high probability that we are going to discover the right one. This is a serious matter, a very serious matter. Now, in most cases, people hear about the gospel from somebody else. I believe that the Lord our God has sent people into the world for the purpose of sharing the gospel with other people, and to do that, they have to know the gospel. And I believe that he is very active, and he is very effective in doing this, that he has used people ever since he came to spread the good news of who he is and what he has accomplished throughout the world, throughout the history of humanity since he died and rose from the dead. And I believe he's been very effective concerning that. I do believe that there are times when only part of the gospel is shared and then the rest of it may be shared later. But still, I do believe that he has been effective in sharing the gospel with other people. But in most cases, what people do is they look for specific individuals, specific people, people who have positions of authority, people who are recognized by other people. They look to leaders, they look to pastors, to priests, as being the ones who are the authorities concerning the gospel, and they are the only ones who can possibly know what the gospel is in some cases. But I don't believe that. I really do believe that regardless of what position a person may hold in society, regardless of what role they have or they don't have in the society that they are a part of, I believe that the Lord Jesus can send anyone, in any way, at any time. I really do believe that. I believe that everyone who is born again by the Spirit of God can be used by God in order to share His good news with somebody else. I really do believe that. You know, sometimes people say I have a little bit of an attitude, especially when I'm not interested in hearing what they have to say. Now, to them, they would say, I have an attitude and I have no interest in other opinions or other beliefs that I don't agree with. But, you know, the reality is, is that when I take that kind of a position with people, which is not unusual, the reason why is because I've already considered those things. I've already considered those opinions. I've already thought about that. And I have actually taken a position against it. I have actually made a decision where I just simply don't agree with that. And I think that if they want to believe that, they can believe that. They don't need me to agree with them in order to believe whatever it is that they believe. If you are listening to me right now and you don't agree with some of the things that I believe or maybe everything that I believe, if you don't believe the things that I teach, then good for you. 
That doesn't mean that I see myself as being higher or greater than you are. It just means that I believe that you can believe whatever you want to believe, and I believe that I can believe whatever I want to believe. I've taken a position. Don't waste my time. I'm moving on in my life. If you've taken your position, don't waste your time with me. Move on in your life. And if the Lord leads you in that direction, then good for you. Because I personally believe that you are accountable to him. You are not accountable to me. And in addition to that, I don't believe I'm accountable to you either. I believe I'm accountable to him. And I believe that if there is something that I believe that is not true, then he will find some way to get through to me at some point, in some way, at some time. I trust my God concerning that, and I believe that he will grow and mature me as he sees fit. But, you know, sometimes people can misunderstand that kind of an attitude, that kind of a position, and say, oh, well, you're just some arrogant whatever, you know, stuff like that. But in reality, it really is the expression of conviction, the expression of belief, the expression of an individual who has already gone through all of those issues that people usually want to talk about or discuss or whatever. But in saying that, what I want you to consider is that there really are no special people in that sense. There really are no special, unique people. Now, I do believe that the Lord may share a unique message with an individual to share with others, but that doesn't make the individual anything special or unique. That just means that the Lord used them at that time in that way. He uses me at different times in different ways, and he has given me messages and thoughts and ideas and things that I've never heard anybody else talk about, but do I see myself as being greater than everybody else just because of that? Absolutely not. So yes, it is true that the Lord does use individuals in certain ways, in certain capacities, and that these ways and capacities, these positions may easily change. But that doesn't mean that anyone, any one of his children is any less than another, or any one of his children is any greater than another. When the Apostle Paul was writing his letter to the Galatians, he said something very interesting to me in the first verse. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. He said that he was an apostle, which means, in effect, that he was sent by the living God, by the Lord Jesus. He was sent because of the message that was given to him. He was effectively sent to share that message with others. That was his apostleship. Now, when a person hears that, they can easily be offended by that because there are a lot of people who don't really want to believe that. They really want to believe that if you're going to have a position like this, if you're going to have a status or a position of authority, if you're going to be recognized as an apostle or teacher or pastor or whatever, you have to have the endorsement of somebody. You've got to have somebody endorse you. You've got to have some credentials of some kind. You've got to have a seminary degree. You've got to have a panel of pastors or whoever that has to endorse your position. Things like that. And they don't really want to believe that maybe Jesus might send an individual. Might send someone who has never been given any credentials from anyone at all. I believe that the Apostle Paul is communicating that, and he is also communicating the fact that there are many people who are sent by other people, by other men, who are not sent by the Lord Jesus. 
So when I say that there's no special, unique individual necessarily, and that the Lord may use a person and then he may not use them again, things like that, people can find that easy in some ways to embrace. That's not so difficult because I suppose we would like to know that we are all individuals who can potentially be used by our God. I can really appreciate that. And people know that they can tell others about the truth of the Lord Jesus and their lives can be changed by that. That is clear. That's reasonable. But when I say that someone may not be sent by God at all, well, then that can be quite a challenge. Sometimes people might find that to be a little unacceptable to suggest that there may be an individual who asserts themselves as having some position of authority granted to them by God, and yet they don't. They have no authority at all. They are an imposter. They are a deceiver. They are a liar. That that's what they really are. That can be a little uncomfortable. Now, of course, I know lots of people who are in positions of authority, who run churches, who I personally believe fit in that category, who are definitely not of God at all. But I'm not going to name names and tell you who I think they are. Because, of course, regardless of whether I think they are or not, maybe they are. Maybe the Lord will use them anyway. And so it's not my concern. But I will not deny the reality. I will not deny the fact that there are many people who the Lord Jesus does not send, that they are apostles, that they are pastors, that they are teachers, that they are missionaries, that they are this or that or whatever, and they are sent by man, not by the Lord Jesus. This can be very difficult for people to consider, a whole lot, of course, because they might be a part of some congregation that's being run by some person who may be there just because some other man gave them some endorsement as opposed to the Lord Jesus. And sometimes that might feel a little uncomfortable. I can appreciate that. I can understand that. I really can. But you have to recognize, you have to see that there are a lot of people who are sent by man and not by God. Because if you don't see that, then this verse isn't going to mean anything to you. It meant a lot back then, and I believe that when Paul said that, he established his position as being someone who was sent by Jesus, not by somebody else, and he was okay with that. I personally believe that the things that I teach are things that the Lord Jesus has told me, and so I don't have a problem with that. There are a lot of people who may have a problem with me, but I don't have a problem with them, because I know who has spoken to me. And I will share with others what he has shared with me. But you know, this idea of being sent by men is a very common idea. It's a very common way today for people to establish their credentials. When you think about a church, if you were to think about a church for a moment, why is it that people go to church? I mean, really, what are they really doing there? Next time you go to a church... Ask yourself that question as you look at the different people who are there and as you talk to the different people who are there. Ask the question, why is this person here and why is that person there? You know, people go to church for all kinds of reasons. They go in order to give their children something to do so that they can participate in activities with some other kids who may not necessarily be so evil as other kids. I can understand that. I can value that. People go in order to look for a spouse. That's a very common reason as to why people will go to church. They're looking for somebody to marry. People are looking for business contacts. 
It's a great place to establish business contacts or maybe find someone who could potentially give you a job or direct you to an individual who could give you a job because you're obviously a nice person who goes to church. People go to church for all kinds of different reasons, lots of different reasons. It's actually very unusual to find someone who is there because they want to know their God. That's a very unusual reason. It is a reason, and I have, of course, encountered a lot of people who have that kind of a reason. I know that that is the case, but it's not the most common reason. It's not, it's not that common. It really is unusual. And so because of that, it's very easy for someone to be sent by man and not by God. Because for the most part, the majority of the people who are participating in churches have no real interest in God. And so it's easy for this person to fit in there. In fact, there is a preference to have an individual who is sent by another man rather than God because of the threat and the risk of being confronted with the living God. You know, it's one thing to be confronted with theology. That's one thing. It's one thing to be confronted with some powerful sermon that encourages you and inspires you to become a better person. It's one thing to be confronted with things like that. But it's something entirely different to be confronted with the reality of the person of the living God. That's different. And a lot of people will find that to be extremely uncomfortable. And so for that reason, we should expect to see a lot of people sent by men Not so many people necessarily sent by God, because those who are sent by God are not going to find very many people who would be willing to take time out of their lives to listen to them. It's very unusual, very unusual. So you can't use numbers in order to establish the credibility or the credentials of an individual, because this individual might be teaching things that people want to hear but are not necessarily the truth. One of the things that people like to hear that is certainly not the truth is that we are sometimes forgiven, but sometimes we are not forgiven. The reason why people do not want to know or do not want to hear that they are always forgiven is because they want to have the ability to do something in their lives in order to be better people and in order to get God to like them and to reward them or bless them for their additional efforts. They also want to believe that God does not always forgive us because they want somebody else to have some incentive to get their lives straightened out because, of course, they embarrass us. There are lots of reasons why people don't want to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins. And, of course, these are all religious attitudes, but there are lots of people who want to have a religious life, a religious attitude, and so this is of great appeal to a lot of people. There are a lot of people who don't really want to embrace the complete forgiveness of sins because of the consequences of believing that, that there are consequences that they personally believe are unacceptable. In the series that I did on forgiveness, I spoke about a lot of consequences. I talked about the religious pride that people feel when they feel that they are able to accomplish living a better life. I explained that people don't want others to be forgiven, others who have violated them or others who are embarrassing them. They're trying to control other people. And so they want someone who will tell them and others that forgiveness is not complete, 
It is not something that has been total. It's not something that our God did for the entire world already. There are lots of reasons why people do not want to embrace forgiveness. But you know what happens with that is that eventually you start to promote or you start to present a different gospel, one that is not real. The good news of the Lord Jesus is that he died for the sins of humanity. He died for the sins of humanity so that he could restore to people the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam. That's the good news. Now, in many cases, people believe in forgiveness. They will acknowledge the truth of the restoration of the Holy Spirit, but they won't really embrace it for themselves. They'll just hang on to forgiveness, but not necessarily the restoration of life. And the variations that people live in their religious lives, the variations tend to be this fluctuation concerning how much forgiveness do we have and how much forgiveness do we need to constantly try to obtain, things like that. That's usually where the variations come from in the different congregations of people. And people will struggle in their religious lives because of these variations until they finally come to the end of it all and realize that the sin issue is over. And then they will have the opportunity to walk on the newness of life. Otherwise, they never will. But at what point does this become a different gospel? When does a person believe a different gospel? Because when you talk with people about the gospel... When you talk with people about Jesus and you ask questions about what people believe and why, you can find a lot of common ground. And I have found a lot of people who I believe are Christians. I believe they are saved. And yet in many ways they are so deceived that they will remain, in my opinion, a baby in Christ until they die. They will never mature at all. And I believe that the Lord has a place for them in the kingdom of heaven But what they believe and how they live, to me, in a lot of ways, is a different gospel. It's not the right one. So where is this line that people cross that puts them in a position where they believe a different gospel and they may not be saved? Where is this line? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think I need to know. I really don't. I believe that the Lord our God will make a good decision concerning these questions. But I will at least acknowledge that there is a line that exists. I will acknowledge that there are many opportunities for deviations in people's lives. Many opportunities. And where those deviations are that lead to the point of no return or no salvation, I'm not that sure of. But what I am sure of is that the Lord will make a good decision concerning these matters. When the Apostle Paul had his disagreements with the other people that he interacted with during his time. When he had disagreements, he was very clear about his position, and they were very clear about their position. And he was very clear and aggressive about telling people that they did not live according to the true gospel on some occasions, and on other occasions, he was not. He was not that aggressive about those circumstances. And I believe that that was an exercise of wisdom, and that he was led by the Holy Spirit concerning those different opportunities and those different circumstances. But what I want you to consider is that there is a line, that there is a line that distinguishes between the lost and the saved, and that we should acknowledge that it does exist, but that in the midst of that uncertainty, there is a reasonable space of belief 
where one person believes that Jesus is the Messiah and everything else that they believe is totally wrong and somebody else believes that Jesus is the Messiah and most everything that they believe is right. That there is some space in between the two that our God allows so that even on one extreme it may seem like this person believes in a different gospel versus the other who believes in the true gospel. It may seem that way. It doesn't necessarily mean that the person is going to hell because all that they believe is that Jesus is the Messiah, but they don't believe anything else that's true concerning Jesus being the Messiah and what that implies in our lives now. So I'm going to talk about this transition that people experience, if they experience it at all. But at some point, a person gets saved. They're a new creation. They're a baby in Christ. And at some point, you expect that they would mature. And I'm going to talk about that space in between and explain that this can often be measured by a person's discovery of the gospel more and more and their discovery of the implications of the gospel. And this would require that an individual have a poor understanding at first and then a very good understanding later. Now, the Apostle Paul does say that people were believing in a different gospel that was no gospel at all. Let them be accursed. He took a position. And if I had to make a determination to identify where that line was that could be crossed, that would lead us to the point of saying that somebody believed in a different gospel and they were certainly at risk, Where would I identify that, especially in the context of what Paul wrote in his letter to the Galatians? I would have to say that the different gospel that he is speaking of is a gospel that suggests that people need to live in obedience to the commandments of God because God still holds our sins against us. In other words, a person does not believe that we are totally forgiven and that our sins are not held against us anymore. At that point, there is a deviation from the gospel to the point where you have a different gospel. This deviation can also be described as a negation, a negation of the gospel to say that Jesus died for our sins. Oh, but he didn't really die for our sins because he still holds our sins against us. That becomes a negation which becomes a different gospel, and I believe that that is what Paul was referring to, and I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 